reading is um, from the New Testament from John's Gospel. Uh, John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10, which can be found on page 1076 in the Church Bibles, and that's 1633 in the large print Bibles. So John 10, 1 to 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Amen. Thanks very much, Caroline. Do keep uh, that passage open and let's pray, shall we, as we come to God's word. Father, we've just sung together, speak, O Lord, as we come to you. Lord, that's our prayer now, that as we come to your word, you might speak to us, that we would hear clearly the voice of the Good Shepherd calling to us and speaking to us this evening. Lord, please help us to listen to his voice and help us to respond rightly to his voice as we follow the Good Shepherd through death to life and to life in all its fullness. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. I don't know whether you've ever been asked this question. It's a pretty stupid question, but I've been asked it a number of times and you probably have as well. And the question's this. If you could be any animal at all, what would you be? Stupid question, and my immediate response is, do you know what, I don't want to be an animal at all. I'm very happy, thank you, being a human being made in the image of God. But of course, the questioner pushes back and says, yeah, yeah, I know all that, I get that. But if you had to be, if you had to be an animal, what would you be? And the normal answers that come back are something like a lion, maybe majestic, powerful, regal, or, or an eagle soaring on the wind, overlooking God's creation. But one response that I've never heard, one animal I've never heard mentioned, is a sheep. Which doesn't surprise me in one sense, because sheep are pretty stupid animals. But on another level, it does surprise me. Because actually the one animal that God likens us to most in his word is that of a sheep. It's a metaphor that runs all the way through God's word back in Isaiah 53 verse 6. You'll probably be familiar with this verse. We all like sheep. 
We're all like sheep, right? And we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We've all, like sheep, wandered away from God. We are vulnerable. We are weak. We are in need of rescue. And we are totally, totally dependent on the good shepherd to protect us and to provide for us. And that picture of of the wandering sheep and the good shepherd who came to, to rescue and to protect and to provide is right at the heart of John chapter 10. And our focus this evening is going to be on those first 10 verses. Over the course of the next three weeks, we're going to work our way through the whole chapter. But this evening is that first unit, verses 1 to 10, which I think can be summarized with one sentence that's on the screen there before you. This is my summary of those first ten verses. Jesus, as the true shepherd of the sheep, is in the business of gathering a flock to himself in order to give them life. That's what's going on in verses 1 to 10. You can break it down into three parts. Firstly, verse 1 to 2, Jesus... Jesus is the true shepherd of the sheep. Secondly, in verse 3 to 6, we see, we see the work of the good shepherd in gathering, in calling, in drawing people, wandering sheep back to himself. And then in verse 7 through to verse 10, we see why. Why is the shepherd doing this? Well, he's doing it to give them life. And life in all its fullness. Which is where we finish this evening in verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come, says Jesus, that they may have life and have it to the full. So firstly, first point, we're going to think about Jesus being the true shepherd of the sheep. Have a look down again at verse 1 and verse 2. Very truly I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. That's probably worth removing any images you've got in your head right now from watching Country File. And replacing them with the image of first century farming, shepherding in Palestine. You see, the sheepfold or or the sheep pen would have been a large communal area where a number of different shepherds would have kept their individual flocks safe through the night. And then in the morning, the the shepherd of the sheep would have re-entered through the gate. And you see, they went through the gate because they were known and trusted by the gatekeeper. And they go into the pen and they call their sheep to themselves. And the sheep listen to the voice of the shepherd. And then the shepherd leads out his sheep to the green pastures that are beyond. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Of protection and provision. Protection in the pen, yeah? A place of safety, a place of security. But then of provision in the pastures, a place of pleasure and a place 
of plenty as Jesus takes his sheep to the good pastures beyond. And it's a picture that the Bible uses again and again to help us understand what godly leadership looks like. You see, God put in place leaders or shepherds to look after his sheep, to protect and to provide and to care for his people. But you see, in verse 1, we're introduced to some other characters, aren't we? They're not entering the sheep pen by the gates. No, these guys are climbing in over the wall. They're going in over the wall because they're not there for the good of the sheep. They're there for the good of themselves. They're not there for the interest of the sheep. They're there for their own selfish interest. They're not there to protect and provide. They're there to pillage, which is why Jesus refers to them as thieves and robbers in verse 1. So who are they? Who are these thieves and these robbers that Jesus has got in mind? Well, it's the religious leaders. And it's the Pharisees and it's the teachers of the law who Jesus has been in conflict with throughout John chapter 9. The people he's now addressing, look in verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Just for a moment, I want us to, to flick back to Ezekiel 34. The words are going to come up on the screen as well. Ezekiel 34 is probably the clearest Old Testament backdrop to this picture of, of sheep and shepherding and leadership. And this is Ezekiel speaking, or indeed God speaking, through his prophet Ezekiel. And this is what he says. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You've not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost You have ruled them harshly. You see, it's a word of judgment from God through the prophet Ezekiel against the leaders of Israel who have failed to shepherd properly God's people, failed to protect and failed to provide for their sheep. Instead, they fleece the sheep because they are only there for their own selfish gain. And so the Lord goes on in verse 10. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending my flock. In short, God says, I will judge those ungodly leaders. Those fake shepherds, those thieves and those robbers, those pretenders, those imposters. I am against them says the Lord. And then the rest of Ezekiel chapter 34 is all about what God himself will then come and do. Look at what he says, verse 10. Look at the emphasis, I will rescue my flock. Verse 15, I myself 
will tend my sheep. Verse 16, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Do you see the point? What those leaders had failed to do, God will come and do himself. I will, says God. Why? Because he is the true shepherd of the sheep. And that's exactly what we see as we walk through the Gospels. God himself coming in the person of Jesus Christ to shepherd his people, to seek and save the lost, to look after the needy, to feed the hungry, to strengthen the weak and to protect the vulnerable. Jesus is the true shepherd of the sheep. It's a truth that's made explicit in in next week's section. In verse 11, we read, I am the good shepherd. What's implicit here, Jesus makes explicit next week. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Or again in verse 14 and 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. In Jesus, we have a leader and we have a shepherd who, unlike the Pharisees and the religious leaders in Jesus' day, is totally committed to his sheep. He is so for his people. Committed not only to saving, but to satisfying their souls forever. But before we move on to think about the work of the Good Shepherd in gathering people to himself and generously giving them life, it's worth pausing for just a moment to ask ourselves the question, who then are the thieves and the robbers today? You see, if in Jesus' day it was the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the religious leaders, what about today? Well, the answer is anyone in a position of leadership in God's church who does not exalt Christ as the way to life. Any leader, any individual that does not exalt Christ as the way to life is robbing people of their salvation because the Lord Jesus is indeed the only way to life. As J.C. Ryle says in his commentary, the man who makes much of Christ is a shepherd after God's own heart. The minister who makes little of Christ is one whom God regards as an imposter. One who has climbed up to his holy office, not by the door, but by some other way. Over the wall, right? Not known, not trusted to go in through the gate. They've gone over the wall. And he goes on to say, thousands of ordained men in the present day know nothing about Christ except his name. They have not entered through the door themselves and they are unable to show it to others. Thieves and robbers are people that do not point others to Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation. Firstly, Jesus is the true shepherd of the sheep. And then secondly, we see the work of the Lord Jesus as the true shepherd in gathering, 
in wonderfully calling and bringing and gathering people to himself. That's what's going on in verse 3 and verse 4. You see, Jesus came into this world. He entered the Jewish fold, the sheep pen of Israel, and he spoke. His voice went out and he called these wandering sheep back to himself. They didn't only listen, didn't only recognize his voice here in verse 3, but they responded to his voice and they followed him out to life in the green and pleasant pastures beyond. And you know what? The same thing is happening right now. As God's word is preached, as the gospel is held out, the voice of the good shepherd can be heard. And praise God, all across the globe, people are responding to that call. Maybe even here right now in this room. In the quietness of your heart, you're responding for the first time or afresh to the call of Christ on your life to follow him wherever he wants you to go. And different buildings, different gatherings, different points all across this globe, the voice of the Good Shepherd is going out. And the Lord Jesus is gathering wonderfully a flock to himself. Can you see that in verse 3 and 4? The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And he goes in and the sheep listen to his voice because the shepherd has spoken. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Yvonne Short, the Lord Jesus calls you by name. He purposed you to be a part of his flock before the very creation of this world. And he knows you. Every single detail of your life, the waywardness of your heart, and he knows you by name and he's called you. And by the grace of God, you've responded to that call and you followed. And I could go around the room, couldn't I? He knows you. The good shepherd knows your name and he calls you to himself to lead you out to the glorious, rich, abundant pastures That he has in store for you. And when he's brought you out, verse 4, when he's brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. You follow because you know the voice of the good shepherd. You hear God himself calling to you from his word. What a wonderful picture that is, isn't it? of discipleship, of the shepherd going ahead of his sheep. It's a very different picture to um, sheep farming or, or shepherding, if you like, in the West, where, where the, the farmer or the shepherd drives the sheep from behind with a big stick pushing them forward. Eastern shepherding is flipped right around. Because in Eastern shepherding, the shepherd goes ahead of the sheep and the sheep follow. And when you see it in action, as I did when I was out in Israel, we went through the hills in Judea and we spotted this lone shepherd walking. And as he's walking, he's calling his sheep and there's just a little herd of them. And you know what? They're following him. They really are following him as he walked and as he taught the sheep followed. Why? 
because he knows their name and they know his voice. And so I must ask you this evening, do you know his voice? When you hear the Bible taught, do you hear the voice of the Lord Jesus? Do you hear the voice of the Good Shepherd calling you to know and experience life and life in all its fullness? Or do you dismiss that voice like any other in the crowd? As we read at the end of John chapter 6, this is what Jesus says from that time on, or the commentary on this moment, from this time on many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. You see, the voice of Jesus is not like any other in the crowd. His words don't just instruct and inform, they do that. But they actually impart life. They bring life to the human soul. Which brings us to our third and our final point this evening. That Jesus is the good shepherd, the true shepherd of the sheep. He gathers, he calls you to himself. Why? In order to give you life and life in all its fullness. You see the Pharisees in verse 6, can you see them there? They didn't get it, did they? The Pharisees, they couldn't understand Jesus' figure of speech, the, the shepherd and the sheep, and it just didn't make sense. They couldn't see and accept Jesus as the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34, as God himself. They couldn't see it. They were blind to it. So they did not follow Jesus as the good shepherd. So what does he do? Well, he changes the metaphor slightly, doesn't he? Do you see that in verse 7? There's a shift now in the metaphor. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. He's now the gate. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus isn't just the shepherd, he's also the gate. He's not just our great protector and provider, he is our pathway, he is our entry point to life. Have a look again, verse 9, I'm the gate, says Jesus, I'm the way in. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus will go on just a few chapters later in chapter 14 to make almost the same point, yeah? I'm the way, says Jesus. I'm the way to God. I'm the entry point. I'm the door to life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Life is only found exclusively in the person of the Lord Jesus. And if you trust in him as your good shepherd, Jesus promises two things in verse 9. Can you see them? Safety and plenty. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Or it could be translated, will be kept safe. See, there's plenty of wolves, right? Plenty of wolves out there in this world who are seeking to take life 
and to destroy life. But Jesus as the gate, he lets us in and keeps them out. He says to the wolves and the thieves and the robbers, you're not coming in. You're not coming in. These are my sheep and they're safe and they've entered through me. They've heard my voice. They've trusted. They've followed. They've responded and they're in the pen. They're safe. And you're not taking life. You're not destroying the life of these sheep. They are safe. Whoever enters through me will be saved. But safety, of course, is only half of the story, isn't it? Because in Christ, we're not just safe. There's not just safety, but there's plenty. There is plenty. There is abundance in Christ. Look at the second half of verse 9. They will come in and go out and find pasture. In, out. In, out. In, out. Through the gate. Safety, plenty. Safety, plenty. Safety, plenty. You see, Jesus came into this world not just to make us safe, but to make us satisfied. Satisfied forever in the very core of our soul. The Lord Jesus as the gate lets us out. And the Lord Jesus as the good shepherd leads us out to the sweet, green, abundant pastures that will satisfy your soul for all eternity. And you know what? Maybe the greatest misconception in the Christian life for people out there in the world is that the Christian life lacks joy. (laughs) People think that. Think when you become a Christian, life gets boring. You heard that accusation? Become like a Christian, it's like putting on a straitjacket, yeah? You're inhibited, you're restricted, you're constrained. Jesus takes away life, he takes away joy, he takes away stuff. He stops you being the person you want to be. It's rubbish. Have a look at John 10 verse 10. Jesus corrects this misunderstanding, doesn't he? It's worldly leadership, it's worldly ways that do that. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's the way of the world. That's the way of sin. That leads us to destruction. That leads us to the removal of life. The Lord Jesus came not to do that. He came to bring life. He came that you may have life and life in all its fullness. And can I say to you this evening that 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 abundant life That fullness of life that Jesus promises has nothing to do with stuff. It's got nothing to do with possessions. It's got nothing to do with income. It's got nothing to do with stuff. It is about knowing and enjoying the the protection and the provision of the Good Shepherd. It's about a daily walk with the Lord Jesus, a true authentic, moment-by-moment experience of joy, which, as we'll see next week, comes our way through the Good Shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep to reconcile us, to bring us back to God, who is in himself the source of all life 
and all goodness and all joy. And you know what? One day in the future, the good shepherd will return at God's appointed time and he will gather up all those who are his and he will lead them into the heavenly pastures, rich, abundant, soul-nourishing life for all eternity. What a wonderful shepherd Jesus is, isn't he? He is the good shepherd. And the question for us, the question for our friends, our family, the question for this world is what are people going to do with Jesus? As we read, as we finish here, I just want to read the words towards the end of John's gospel in chapter 20, verse 31. John summarizing why he's written this book why he's left us with the account of Jesus' life. And he says, these things have been written. And that includes John 10, verse 1 to 10. These things we've looked at tonight, they've been written. They've been recorded and kept for us. Why? That you may believe that the people of this world might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name and the Lord Jesus until the day he returns will be calling people to himself the good shepherd has spoken and he speaks every time the word of God is held out and proclaimed and taught the question for us is will we listen do we listen daily to the good shepherd do we trust him As we thought about this morning, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Are we trusting in the voice and the words and the life and the death and the resurrection of the Good Shepherd? And will we follow him wherever he wants us to go? Because he knows what's best. And as we go there, he will protect us and he will provide for us until that final day when we enter glory and experience the full richness and wonder of the life that he has held out to us. Why don't I give you a moment just to reflect on the words of Jesus. Ask yourself this evening, how are you going to respond to the voice of Jesus? What is he calling you to do and what does it look like for you to listen to him, to trust him, and to follow him this week.